Well, we want to welcome you this morning to First Church. If you are new with us today, my name is Andrew. I am the lead pastor here, and we are so grateful that you've taken some time out of your week uh, to do life together with us. You have found us in the fourth week of a sermon series that we are calling We Are. If you would, everyone together, let's say it. We are. And what are we doing? We are exploring together the mission and the purpose and the vision which God has given to our church over these coming years. Our key thought for the series, if you're taking notes, make sure to write this down. Most churches know what they do, but very few churches actually know who they are. And this is a problem because Proverbs 29, verse 18 tells us, where there is no vision, where there is no kazon, where there is no divine revelation or communication from God, what happens? The people perish. The people perish. And that's why I'm so excited about what God has called us to do over the course of these eight weeks of life together at First Church, as we explore together our mission, our vision, and our values for the future. Uh, if you're new with us this morning, our mission statement is this. Let's read it together again. We exist to live out God's story in our community. And how do we do it? We do it through our eight core values. Week one, we looked at intimacy with God. We are a church that values intimacy with God because we pursue God's heart. Last week, Spirit moved in an incredible way as we found that we are a church that values relational evangelism. Relational evangelism. We exist to connect the disconnected. And today, we look at life-on-life discipleship. Life-on-life discipleship. Uh, let's begin this morning. Uh, what is a disciple? It's kind of an intimidating word, isn't it? H how, how do I know if I'm a disciple? What is a disciple? Well, the Greek word in the Bible that, that's used for disciple is the word mathetes. If you would, say that with me. Mathetes. And mathetes, if you're looking at your bulletin notes there on the back, it, it literally means someone who is a pupil, someone who is a student, an adherent, or a learner. Literally, it's someone who learns from someone else. It's someone who studies under someone else. And, and maybe the simplest terms, we could say it like this. It's someone whose life goal, their entire life purpose, is to pattern their lives after their teacher. It's a disciple. It's a student. And it is a learner. It's pretty simple in that sort of definition. But the issue is in our churches today that the process of discipleship is often a struggle. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. I believe that the decline of any church begins with the decline of discipleship. The decline of any church, the decline of the American church as a whole, could be traced back to the fact that there is a decline in discipleship. And I'm going to argue, if you're taking notes, there's three real reasons why we don't disciple. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, we say, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to disciple uh, anyone. I, I don't know enough. I I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not far along enough in my own spiritual journey. And so certainly, I don't want to disciple anyone because, Lord forbid, somebody else look like me, right? Anybody ever had that thought? 
Now, many of you know that my wife is a twin, and it's so good to have my wife back with us. Some of you know she's been sick for nine days, and she is here worshiping God in spirit, if not in face today. And so we're so glad that she's here today. But many of you know that she is a twin, which I think is great because I think my wife is great. And outside of those times where I get the two of them confused, uh, go back and listen to the podcast if you missed some of those uh, stories, I think it's really good that there's two of them, right? Because that's someone that I would want to multiply. Uh, some of you know that I have twin brothers. I'm not a twin, but I have twin brothers. And so it's a really simple thing. So many of you said, well, what? why don't you want to have any more kids? You know, why don't you, let's just, just have one more. You know, three would be great. Uh-uh, not doing it. We are not testing God. We're not rolling doubles next time around. You know what I mean? We're just, we're not doing it. Two is good because we know next time around it'll be two or three or four more, and we're just not, not doing that, right? And, and so some people say, I, I, I don't really want to reproduce myself because I'm not, I'm not qualified. I, I'm not good enough, and I'd rather not engage in that kind of activity. Number two, if you're taking notes, a lot of us say, you know what? I'd love to do it. I just don't have enough time. I just don't have enough time. When we think about discipleship, we often think in terms of this all-consuming, life-consuming process, right? We think, well, I, I'm going to have to like sell my house and sell my car and sell my kids and my dog and move to Africa or something, and, and, and I can't do that. Or, or, or we think to ourselves, well, if I have a disciple, then that means they're going to like follow me around all the time, and that sounds awkward, like nap time, right, or shower time. That could be really weird, right? So I don't, I don't want anybody following me around all the time. That could be kind of tedious, kind of awkward. So I, I just would rather not engage in that kind of process. I'd love to. I just don't have enough time. Why don't we disciple? Not qualified. Don't have enough time. And then number three, not many of us would say this out loud, but unfortunately, it's how so many of us sometimes feel. We say, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need to be discipled. I know I could do a little bit better. I know I could probably grow a little bit more. But the truth is, compared to so-and-so, I'm doing really good, right? As long as I'm doing better than him and he's getting in, then I'm okay and don't worry with me, right? I'm all right. Or we say, I don't need to disciple someone else. That's the church's job. Andrew, that's your job. That's my small group teacher's job. That's my Sunday school teacher's job, right? Let them do that work because I don't need to disciple. And that's why the way that we say this core value at First Church is so important. If you're taking notes, it's right at the top of your bulletin. And we say it like this. We are a church that values life-on-life discipleship. Everyone say this with me. Disciples produce disciples. Disciples produce disciples. And you say, well, Andrew, I can tell that you feel pretty strongly about that. And the reason that we feel so strongly about it here at First Church is because Jesus felt so strongly about it to make it his very final command right here on earth. If you have your Bibles, your phones, tablets, whatever you're using today, uh, Matthew chapter 28 is a passage that many of you might be familiar with. It's called the, the Great Commission. And we call it that. Because that is Jesus' last words, according to the author of Matthew, that he gives to his disciples before he's out of here, right? So he says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want it to go. And this is what he says, beginning in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, say it with me, go and make disciples of all nations. He says, go and make disciples. What's Jesus say? Say it with me. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Jesus feels so strongly about this. And he says, your calling as a people, your purpose, your mission on earth is to be a disciple that produces disciples. He says, not enough to call yourself by my name. It's not enough to believe in me. It's not enough to just say the words. You actually have to go through the action because disciples produce disciples. If you were with us last week, I I shared uh, the beginning of uh, my dating relationship with my uh, wife, and she missed it, which is so sad, but I'm sure she's listened to it on the podcast by now. And it reminded me of about 18 months later when I decided that it was time for me to pop the big question, right? And so I had this whole thing planned out because I'm so romantic sometimes. And so I had this whole thing planned out and, and, and we did like a scavenger hunt and, and, and we were going back up to Chicago and all these clues. And we were going back to the place where Simone and I had our first um, um, uh, kiss. Um, <clears throat> and, and pastors do kiss. I'm sorry, pastor. Even if both are pastors, they do kiss, just not on the Sabbath, okay? Don't see us on the <laughs> Sabbath. But we do, every six days a week, we're good to go, right? And so, and so we're going back to this place where we first kiss. And it's actually up in a tree, hanging out over a canal uh, up in Chicago. Really, really romantic, uh, really romantic place, right? And, uh, and so we get there, and we get all these, all these uh, clues. And finally, we climb up in the tree, and I've got the ring in my pocket. And I pull it out, and we're in this tree. We're like 10 feet off the ground, hanging over a river. And I, I opened up the box. I said, Simone will you marry me? And of course, she was excited, I think, seemed to be. So very excited. She was smiling and she was happy, but she just kind of looked at me and she said, "Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, But that's not the way it works. I said, what do you mean that's not the way it works? A romantic proposal. Here we are. Got the ring. Way too much money, right? Oh, you get this done. How it works? She said, well, she said, I've just kind of wanted you to get down on one knee. And it was the first time and last time that I've ever thought my wife was trying to kill me, right? Which is really good because I'm up in a tree hanging out over a river and she wants me to get down on one knee. So she says, I don't care how you do it. You've got to figure out how to get down on one knee. And so we got back down out of the tree and then I popped the question again. And so we were engaged doubly uh, twice, which was really good. And she said, yes. And uh, thanks be to God, she's still sticking with me today, right? (laughs) Praise Jesus. But she said, listen, it's not enough. The words aren't enough. The thought isn't enough. You've got to follow through with your actions. You actually have to do what you're supposed to do. And what Jesus says is, after three years of life with me, after you've seen me, after you've watched me, after you've, you've followed hard after me, now is the time to put this into action. Because disciples produce disciples. So, how do we do this? At First Church, we believe there's two really clear ways. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to argue those two right now. First, everyone is a disciple. Everyone is a disciple. Disciples produce disciples, and we begin by saying everyone is a disciple. 
Everyone is a disciple. And, and I want you to look at a few verses with me. We're going to go through them really quickly. But I want you to recognize a common theme that shows up when Jesus calls people to discipleship. Because so often when we think about discipleship, we think about following a set of rules. We think about a certain lifestyle. We think about things that we can do or things that we can't do. But Jesus doesn't give his people a bunch of rules. He actually just gives them one command. Let's see if you can pick up on it. Look with me, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus says, come and, say it with me, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. That's to Peter and Andrew. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Jesus says, follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. John 1, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Matthew 8, 22, Jesus finds another guy, he's walking down the road. Jesus told him, follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. And then Luke chapter 9, verse 59, another guy, he said to another man, follow me. Anybody picked up the theme? Follow me. You know, Jesus is really actually a pretty simple guy, isn't he? Right? He, he doesn't say all these rules. He doesn't say all these regulations. He doesn't say you got to do all this stuff. He just simply says, here's the call to discipleship. Everyone is a disciple, and this is how you do it. You follow me. And, and church, this is so important, and we didn't have space to put all these thoughts in your notes, so if you're taking notes in the margins, I really want you to write this down. Here's why it's so important. If discipleship becomes more about following rules than following Jesus, then what we find is that people actually end up walking away from both. That if discipleship is more about following rules or regulations than it is about following Jesus, then people walk away from both. But what Jesus says is, that's not what I want. I want a relationship. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus never asks us for a one-time decision. Jesus asks us for a lifelong relationship. Jesus isn't interested in us just saying words, in us just praying a prayer, coming to an altar, raising a hand. Jesus is interested in us actually pursuing him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look what he says in Luke chapter 9. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, say it with me, and take up their cross daily and do what? Follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it, right? Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, this is what you do. You deny yourself. You take up your cross daily, and you follow me. Uh, folks, that's a far cry from so often what we teach in our churches today, isn't it? So often we, we, we say things like, you know what, just, just pray the prayer, or just say the right words, or just come to an altar, or just raise a hand. And what Jesus says is, that's, that's a good start, but that's not the end. That's a good beginning, but that's not the finish line, because there is so much more. He's not interested in a one-time decision. He's interested in a lifelong relationship. And if you're taking notes, jot this down too. Discipleship means that Jesus isn't just a part of your life. Discipleship means that Jesus is your life. Hey, discipleship doesn't mean that Jesus is just part of your life. Discipleship means he actually wants the whole thing, that he actually is your life. 
See, so often when we think about discipleship or we think about a relationship with Jesus, we, we think about Jesus as this, as this missing puzzle piece, right? That, that if I just find Jesus and I just plug him into the right place in the puzzle, then the rest of my life will make sense, right? And then if I have Jesus and then I just kind of rearrange a few pieces, just put things back where they're supposed to be, then my life is going to make sense. It's a lot like a couple weeks ago. I was sitting at the end of the day, sitting on the couch, really tired, and I closed my eyes for just a minute, and I uh, suddenly felt this presence in front of my face, like just this really, you ever get that, so there's somebody like really close to me, right? And so I opened my eyes, and you all can probably guess who it was. It was my son, Lucas, right? And he's three years old, if you're new, and he's a great man, and so he's just staring at me, just, just staring at me, right? But not really at me, he's actually staring about four inches above my eyes, right at my hairline, right, which is already an issue in and of itself, as you can tell. So he's staring at my hairline, and then he starts looking down at my legs. And then he stares at my hairline, and he looks down at my legs. Stares at my hairline, looks down at my legs, and after the third time, he reaches down, and he starts grabbing my leg hair and pulling it out. True story. I had someone tell me this week, this can't be true stories. They are. They're all true. It's just incredible. I hope our daughter is as entertaining, right? And so true story. So he starts grabbing this leg hair, pulling it out of my leg. And I said, Lucas, stop it. That hurts. What are you doing? And he looked at me in all seriousness. And he said, dad, your hair fell out of your head and onto your legs. (laughs) And I'm just trying to put it back, right? So he's taking leg hair and just put it back on my head, right? True story, true story, and it is a true, kind of a true story, right? (laughs) So so Lucas is like, you just rearrange it, right? And Jesus is saying the same thing. Listen, it's not about just putting things back together. It's not about rearranging pieces. It's not about plugging in a puzzle piece and then making sense. He said, when you want me, you don't just get me as a part of your life. When you want me, it's actually the whole thing. I'm going to take over your life. And take control because that's what God has called us to be. So I don't know how this looks like for you. Uh, Maybe for you, uh, you, you've got categories and and you've got your job over here and you've got Jesus over here. And what Jesus is saying to you is, hey, why don't you find ways to use your job to glorify me? Uh, Maybe for you, you've got marriage struggles over here and you've got Jesus over here in this box. And he's saying, listen, I would love it if you would use me. If you would glorify me through your marriage to show me by the way that you treat your husband and treat your wife. Maybe you got problems with your kids, right? And then you're kind of got Jesus over here in this box. And Jesus says, I I, I can help you. We can journey together. A true disciple produces disciples. And I can help you make your children into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. He says, every aspect of your life relates to me. Every aspect of your life is submitted to me. Because disciples produce disciples, and everyone is a disciple. Number two, if you're taking notes, how do we make disciples? Number one, everyone is a disciple. And then number two, quite simply, everyone disciples, right? Everyone is a disciple, and then everyone disciples. Uh, If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sometimes we say to ourselves, well, how do I know if I am a disciple? Uh, am I a disciple? Am I doing the right things? Turn to our husband, turn to our wife, turn to our kids. Hey, do you think I'm a disciple? Do I look like a disciple? Am I a disciple? Kind of look like a disciple. You got the hair of a disciple, right? That's not the way we determine whether we're a disciple. 
If you're taking notes, this is how we know. The best way to know whether you are a disciple is if you are making disciples. That's really profound. Somebody's going to get blessed, so I'm going to say it again, right? The best way to know whether you are a disciple is if you are making disciples. And so the question is this, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a disciple, then who are you discipling? Who's growing closer to him because of your relationship with Jesus? Maybe you say, well, Andrew, it goes back to those original issues, right? I, I, I don't feel qualified, or I, I don't have enough time. I, I don't know how. I don't know what to do. And if you're taking notes, I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, one of the shortest verses in the whole Bible, but it's one of the most impactful. It's one that's touched my life uh, the most. And here it is in verse 11. Here's what Paul says. How do we disciple? How do we make disciples? And Paul says this. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. How do you make disciples? Paul says it really clearly. Watch me because I'm watching him. Do what I'm doing because I'm following hard after him. And what I would submit to you today is that every single one of us can say this. And maybe somewhere in your life you, you, you say, well, it's not as good as I want to be. Or I haven't gotten as far along as I want to be. But what I would submit to you is that every single one of us has some aspect of our life, some gift, some talent, some experience that God can use through us to disciple someone else. In fact, here's what I want to do, uh, uh, just real briefly. I want to do this. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and if it applies to you, I want you to raise your hand, all right? Real simple. Very good. Um, if, uh, uh, raise your hand if you'd say, you know what? I know the Bible. I don't know it perfectly, but I know it well enough that I think I could probably teach somebody else something. I know the Bible. Don't know it perfectly. Raise your hand high. Be proud. Be proud. But I, I could probably teach somebody else something. Very good. Hands up all over the place. Number two. How many of you would say, I work at a school, I work at a place, or I go to a school that maybe is a secular school, right? And, and people know me as a Christian. Like, they know me as a Christian. They know my faith, they know my witness, they know my testimony, they know that there's something different about me. Very good. A great number of hands. How many of you would say, our marriage isn't perfect, but we have a pretty good marriage, We've got a pretty healthy marriage. Uh, we could teach somebody else how to disciple. I see guys looking at their, husband, at their, at their wives like, I don't know, honey, is, this, is, that, is that us? Is that, can we do that one? Is that, is that all right? Very good. You guys can talk about it over lunch, right? We've got a pretty good marriage, and we could help somebody else. Uh, how many of you have kids, and you haven't maybe done it great, but you've made some mistakes that you can pass on to somebody. Yeah, you made some mistakes. You can pass on to somebody else. You can make somebody's life better if you just told them, taught them how to how to how to raise kids. Very good. How many of you would say you are a committed person of prayer? That you are a prayer warrior. Don't be shy. You're called to intercede. You're called to pray for others, and you could show somebody else how to pray. Very good. A good number of hands. How many of you would say we don't do everything perfectly? But we've got a pretty good grip on our finances, right? 
uh, we're, we're out of debt or we're, we're getting out of debt, we're making good decisions, but we've got a pretty good grip on our finances, okay? Not a ton of us there, but a good number of us there. And, and finally, how many of you would say, I- I've been hurt, I've been wounded, I've been betrayed by someone, but by the grace of God, I've been able to forgive. And I could teach somebody else how to let go of bitterness and of anger. Huge number of hands, huge number of hands. Here's what I want you to do right now. If you raised your hand for any one of those seven questions, I want you to stand. Stand up right where you are. Don't just stand up because your neighbor's standing. I want you to stand right where you are. All right? Praise be to God. And not everybody's standing, and I thank you for your honesty in that, right? Because God can use you, and he's continued to be a part of that journey. But if you are standing right now, I want you to stay standing for a minute. I I want you to let this soak in. I want you to absorb this. I want you to embrace this because there is something in your life that God can use to draw someone else to him. There is some aspect, there is some experience, there is some gift that God has given to you that he can use to disciple others. You say, well, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I have to figure it out. But think about the guys that Jesus called. They had no idea what they were doing, Right? But when the Holy Spirit came in, it changed everything. And you, plus the Holy Spirit, and your life can be used by God to draw someone else. Embrace it. You're a disciple, and you have the possibility of discipling others. You can be seated. Thanks be to God for your life. So here's how I I, I want to close. Um, I, I just want to thank God for the work that he's already doing in our midst As many of you know, every week we offer the invitation for salvation here at First Church. And if you're new with us today, at the end of every service, we offer people the chance to have an encounter with the grace of God. And sometimes people say to me, why do we do this every week? Why do we have to do that every week? And and the answer really is simple. We invite people into a relationship with Jesus every week because we think every week there's somebody here that needs a relationship with Jesus, right? Right? Every week we pray, God, send us the broken, send us the lost, send us the hurting, send us the disconnected. And every week, God answers that prayer. But what we've realized is that it's not enough for someone to just pray a prayer. It's not enough for somebody to raise a hand or even come down to an altar. So often in our churches, what we've done is we've defined that as the finish line, as if you just get your ticket punched and you're good to go, see in heaven, brother right? Rather than a starting point. And what we've done recently, I'm excited to announce to you today, is we've actually started a ministry at First Church called Starting Point. And what it is, is people who have, who have, have volunteered and they've said, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how to do it. I don't even know what it all looks like. But if somebody meets Jesus and comes into a relationship with him, then I'm willing to walk alongside of them to show them what I know, to teach them what I know, and to be used by God to draw them into a relationship with him. And God has already raised up people. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to offer an invitation to you today. There's so many other ways you can disciple. You could be in a Sunday school class. You could join a small group, and we'll talk more about those in the coming weeks during our our Life uh, Together message. You could do one-on-one coaching. You could do mentoring. But this is one way that you can say, I don't know, haven't got it all figured out, but I know that Jesus can 
use me. And if God touches your heart today, I just ask you to come and talk to me, fill out a connection card, talk to Pastor Cindy, because we believe that people are going to get saved by the dozens and by the hundreds right here at First Church. And we need people who can walk alongside of them and say, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. Because God never calls us just to make one-time decisions. He calls us into a lifelong relationship. And in fact, if you're taking notes, last thing, here's what I would say. We don't invite people to make decisions. We invite people to make disciples. When you raise your hand, when you commit to something, it's not a decision just for Jesus. It's a commitment to make disciples and to enter into the journey of who God has called us to be. What do disciples do? Disciples produce disciples. Everyone is a disciple, and everyone disciples. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'll leave you with this. This week, I was praying. Uh, I got up early. It was a couple mornings ago, and uh, I, I got up. I was eating breakfast and spending some time in the Word, and I just felt impressed to, to, to kneel there at the dining room table and, and to begin to pray. And so I did, and a couple minutes later, I kind of heard this soft uh, pitter-patter of feet come up down the stairs and come up behind me. And I looked up, and there was my three-year-old son, Lucas. He'd gotten out of bed early in his Paw Patrol onesie, looking really good, right? And, uh, and it kind of come up, and he was staring at me. And he said, he said, Dad, he said, what are you doing? And I said, I, I'm just praying, Lucas, just spending some time in prayer. And I said, do you want to join me? Because that's what every three-year-old kid wants to do, right? First thing in the morning is come and pray with their dad. But to my surprise, he said, yeah. He, he, said, he said, I do. And he came across the kitchen, walked across the kitchen. I'm kneeling there at the chair. And he just got down on his knees right there with me and put his hand in mine. And I looked at him, and I, I said, Lucas, what do you want to pray for? And he said, Dad, he said, I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And so we spent some time together in prayer, and we prayed. It was a short prayer, short attention span, right? And I'm thinking about this verse, right? I said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so I asked Lucas, I said, Lucas, do you think someday you might want to be just like your dad? And he thought about it for a minute. And he said, no, I'd rather be like mom. <laughs> True story. <laughs> and I don't blame him, right? Coming to second place to my wife is still a pretty good thing. But I realized at that moment that everything that we do, every action that we take, every prayer that we pray, we have the opportunity to disciple the next generation, not only in age, but also in faith, drawing others closer to Jesus. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Jesus, we come before you today, and we ask that your spirit would move. Uh, we need you to speak to us. You know our hearts. Reveal yourself to us today. As we pray, heads bowed, eyes closed, there are uh, some of you here um, this morning that God's got a hold of your heart, and he's begun to say to you, um, it's time to take this next step. It's time to take this next step in your life. You know me. You have a relationship with me. You're a Christian. We get that. But, but, but I really want to be your life. I don't want to be a part of it any longer. I, I want the whole thing. I want to be everything to you. There's some of you here today that you say, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of going through the motions. I, I want to dive deep in. 
And I want to accept Jesus' call to be a disciple. Everyone is a disciple. If that's your prayer today, would you just lift up your hand right now? Say, I'm ready to take the next step. I want to dig in. I want to be a disciple. Praise be to God. Hands up everywhere. I want to be a disciple. I want to take that next step. Hands down. There's others of you today that you said, you know what? I, I, I am a disciple. I've called myself a disciple. I truly believe that I am a disciple. But the truth of the matter is that when it comes to discipling someone else, I've probably fallen a little bit short. God has given me something, an experience, a transformation, knowledge, a gift. God has given me something, and I can pass it on to someone else. Because everyone is a disciple, and everyone disciples. And I need to take seriously my commitment to raise up a new generation, to raise up new believers, to be a part of what God has called me to do as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And if that's your prayer today, you say, you know what, I want to get serious. I want to be a disciple, and I want to disciple someone else. If that's your prayer today, would you just lift up your hand today? You say, I want to disciple someone else. don't always know how to do it. Hands up everywhere. I don't even know how to do it, but I'm willing to share my life journey with someone else. Jesus, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us, Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to transform us take our brokenness, to make our pain, and to turn it into your glory. Teach us how to disciple others as we draw people closer to you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. There's a third question today. There are some of you here today that Jesus has been speaking to your heart from the very moment you walked in. And you realize that today is your day. Today is your day. As you've read the verses, You've seen Jesus' call to discipleship. You've realized what Jesus asks is far short of where I've been. You've been going through the motions. You've been going through the process. You, you've labeled yourself a Christian, but the truth is, Jesus says, deny yourself. The fact is, you've probably been living for yourself. He says, take up your cross daily. But the truth is that you're doing everything in your power to live for your own glory and for your own purposes. Jesus says, follow me, but you've been following after the things of this world. And today the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. He's speaking directly to you, and, he's realized, and, he, and you're realizing there's so much more. There is so much more. There's so much more that I have to offer, but I can't do it unless I have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. If I have intimacy with him, then nothing else matters. But if I don't have a relationship with him, then nothing else matters. And today you say, you know what, I've made some big mistakes. I've gone the wrong direction. I've done some things I'm not proud of. But today I've heard the good news that Jesus loves me, that he gave his life for me, that he rose again for me, and that he's promised me that he's coming again to establish a new heaven and a new earth. And I want to be prepared. And I want to help others to be a part of that journey. Folks, here's the truth. Jesus believes so strongly and doing life together with us, that he gave his life for you. And if your prayer today is, that's what I need, that's what I need. I don't want it to be an emotional decision. I don't want it to be a, a decision just in the moment. Jesus doesn't want one-time decisions. Jesus wants relationships, right? And you're saying today, I want to get serious. Maybe I prayed the prayer in the past, but it didn't do anything because I didn't follow him. Or I've gone through the motions of the past, but it didn't do anything because I didn't follow him. But today is a spiritual marker in my journey. 
Today is a line in the sand. And I say from this day forward, my life will never be the same. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. If that's your prayer today, would you lift up your hand high right now? Praise God for you down front. Praise God for you, brother. Praise God for you two in the back. Praise God for you. I need Jesus right now. Tired of going through the motions. Praise God, sister. Anyone else? I see you guys up there. Praise God for you guys. Anyone else? I'm tired of going through the motions. Today's a line in the sand. It's not just a one-time decision. Today is a lifelong relationship with Jesus, and I need him. I see you in the back. Thank you. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. First church, let's pray together. Everyone prays together. No one prays alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your forgiveness. I need forgiveness. I need hope. I need a relationship. I'm not interested, Jesus, in a one-time decision. I'm interested, Jesus, in a lifelong relationship. And so from this day forward, I'm never turning back. Make me a disciple. Help me to disciple others. And may I always do it for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. First Church, can we thank God for new life entering into his kingdom today?